Let's all stand. Turn with me to Psalm 73. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. And uh, I do, I'm going to read the first 12 verses of, of Psalm 73. And we're going to take our message. Actually, our message is going to be on the very first verse. But, but I want to read all of them because I want to attach that verse to the rest of the context. Uh, in the scriptures um, in uh, Psalm 73 verse 1 says truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart you know, I, I read this I've read this four or five times this week and it just came to my thoughts just now that uh, uh, is God not with those that have a dirty heart he said, even with all those that have a clean heart. But as for me, this is David speaking now, or Asap speaking, not David. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You know, a lot of us catch ourselves in that position. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death. But their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. It's key right there. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue wa uh, walketh through the earth. Well, we got a lot of this going on today. Therefore, his people return thither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out, unto, out to them. And they say, How doeth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, here's, here's the last verse we're going to read. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increaseth, increase in riches. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and I study it and study it, and then after I get up here and read it, I see things that I may have missed when I studied it. But, Lord, I just pray that you take this, and I know this be the only time that these folks will hear it today. It may be a long time before they hear this again. But, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realize, Lord, that you have two kinds of people in the world. You have those who are your children, then you have those who aren't. And Lord, uh, sometimes we we sit and watch those that aren't and wonder how they do what they do, how they prosper the way they prosper sometimes. But Lord, we know that sometimes all that's not good. And Lord, I just pray that you'll see fit to take care of us today as we preach this message. Lord, I pray that you use it for thy honor and thy glory. 
And I pray, Lord, that you'll see fit if there be any here today, if there be any here, Lord, that is, uh, uh, that is in need of salvation, and, and pray that you'll touch their hearts and give, give them that wonderful call that you gave to me many years ago. And, Lord, I pray for those that are sick, uh, especially pray for Sister Jessica. Pray that she'll be okay. And then, and then I pray for uh, Samantha. Pray that she'll be all right. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll go with us today as we uh, embark upon this subject that I've got for our message today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. title of my message is The Goodness of God. You need to listen to this message because I'm telling you, we sometimes, we, we take God to be not so good, but um, we must realize that God is always good, always has been, never be any different. He'll always be good. The Goodness of God. It was the great Apostle Paul who said, There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Talking about humanity. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. How many of you know people out there in the world that seem to be doing good? No, you don't have to raise any hands. Just, I'm just putting a... Re, re, Rhetorical question to you. How many people out there see people that you consider them to be good people? Well, you know, I, I won't say this, and I guess I'll be okay in saying it. Um, a person is never good if he's not saved. That's what he's referring to here when he says there is none good. He's talking about before the Lord saves them, but you're going to have a key just in a few minutes here. Concerning, considering this goodness, one thing every true child of God knows, that is that God is a good God. You know, if, if, if for some reason you're here and you claim to be saved, and you have something against God, you better get it out of you in a hurry because I tell you, God, God is not to be trifled with in no way, shape, nor form. He's not to be trifled with. He's not to be uh, in, in a sense of what God does, what God does. He's righteous in everything he does. You may think he, he's not, but he's righteous in everything he does. And so remember that. Every child of God believes that God is a good God. His goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. His love, grace, mercy, and long-suffering is the essence of his goodness. You know, if God, if God, if God doesn't have to give any of us grace, he doesn't, he doesn't have to do that. God doesn't have to be good to any of us, but he is. His love, his grace, God doesn't have to love everybody. You know, we, 
we've got a we've got a uh, an Armenian uh, I guess you could say going on an Armenian uh, thoughts going on out there many in many many places today that if you if you say anything to them that God doesn't love everybody they get upset with you. They get real upset with you, but I, I'm here to tell you, God doesn't love everybody. God doesn't. Matter of fact, the Bible plainly says, plainly says, and the psalmist said it, and I don't think David would have said it if it wasn't true. He said, God hates all workers of iniquity. Now think about that for just a moment. Now, we, we, we've talked about two different things in this text I read to you. We talked about those who know God, and then the, most, most of the text is made up of those who don't know God, those who are corrupt and ungodly. So we know there's people out there that God doesn't love because God doesn't love everybody. You know, you, you get in one of some of these Armenian churches, that's all you hear. God loves everybody. But he doesn't. He just doesn't. He, sheds, he sends his love, grace, mercy, and long-suffering is the very essence of his goodness. That's why he's good to his children, because he loves them. He's good to his children because of grace. He's good to his children because of mercy. God didn't have to do this to for me, he didn't have to do this for you. I sit and think about that all the time. God didn't have to save me. God didn't have to love me. But I tell you, one of the greatest things I learned after the Lord saved me was that God loved me before the world ever began. Uh, it, that's, that's just hard for some people to comprehend. If it wasn't for his goodness, he would not love he would show no grace, he would have no mercy, would send every person born into this world to hell. Why? Because of the inherited sin that all of us were born with. God didn't have to love us. The inherited sin you're born with, you, you might say, well, you have to sin to go to hell. No, you just have to be born and not saved to go to hell. Say that again. Say that again. You, you don't have to sin to go to hell. You just have to be born with the inherited sin that Adam brought up on everyone when he sinned against God. Born with that inherited sin. David said, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon him. Psalms 86 and verse 5. All them that call upon him. Have you called upon him, or you just walked the church out? Have you called upon him, or you just got baptized? Have you called upon him, or you just become a member of a church? Did you actually call upon him to save your unworthy soul? Key there. That's what he's talking about here. 
Jehovah God proclaimed himself to Moses as this. He said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. And, of course, you learn in the, in the New Testament it goes into a great multitude that man cannot number. We're down, we're down to the fact that there's a multitude out there that, God, that man cannot number that knows the Lord and knows, knows of the goodness of God, a multitude. Goodness only belongs to God. He is solely good. You say, why do we say that? Goodness only belongs to God. There is none good but one, that is God. And here's what Jesus spoke of his father when they called him good. Some of these Pharisees went up to Jesus and they said, good master. And here's what he said. Why callest me good? There is none good but one. Even Jesus said that of himself. There's none good. You know, we we get that bold thing thinking we're just good people. And we let that go. We let that go as religion. We let that go as Christianity. We let that go as being saved. We let that go as everything. There's a lot of good people. I'm telling you, folks, uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm from Kentucky. You ever heard that before? I'm from Kentucky, but I want to tell you, I've been in Georgia 43 years. That's over half of my life. And I tell you, I've met some good people. I've met some good unsaved people. But I've met some good saved people too. Jesus said, why callest me good? There is none but good but one. That is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, here's what he says, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. What is the first commandment that God gives to every person that's born in this world? And he says, trust me. Trust me. Oh, we say, well, I, I walk church aisle. I, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Are you still trusting him? Are you still trusting him with everything? Or, or are you saying, I've got to go out on my own and do some things myself? Are you trusting with everything? Trust God. That's, that's the first commandment he gives is trust him to a lost person. Trust him. Jesus is good. The Holy Spirit is good. Well, they're all one. But as to dealing with earthly man, every man is inherently evil. It is God the Father who deals with them. The good Christ died for them. The good Holy Spirit called them. But it was the goodness of God that saves them. Goodness of God, I tell you. Work of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the work of the Trinity. 
It's all, it's all working right there. If every one of you that's saved today, the Trinity is working in your heart. God the Father who saved you. God the Son who died for you. And God the Holy Spirit who called you. You wouldn't have been called if the Holy Spirit hadn't called you. There is nothing but goodness in God. Nothing but goodness in God. There's nothing else. <clears throat> I originally was going to title this message, The Great God. But then when I got to study and I realized there's only, there's only six passages in all of Scripture that calls God a great God. Five of those are in the Old Testament. Only one in the New Testament. But there are hundreds of scriptures. Matter of fact, if you, if you get a, 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 one of the concordance, you'll find that there's, matter of fact, uh, the concordance I got, there's about four pages of scripture that talks about the goodness of God. So I, when I saw that, then it, it didn't mean that I didn't believe that God was a great God. It just means that the Bible is, talks more about Jesus Christ, the Old Testament, New Testament. They talk more about the goodness of God than they did the greatness of God. That's how we see God. You know, we may see God as great, but what, what does great mean when it comes to God? What does great mean when you, when you begin to put God up against what does great mean? And I'm going to tell you, folks, goodness means a lot to us. Goodness means a lot to us because God is good to every one of us. Goodness means a lot to us. <clears throat> there is nothing but goodness in God. Nothing but goodness comes from him. There is no iniquity in him. Nothing evil in his nature. No unrighteousness in any of his ways or works. He's a good God. His goodness, his goodness is, is sent out to us through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Jesus, Jesus' goodness was because of the Father. The Holy Spirit's goodness is because of the Father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all work together in harmony, one in one. And praise God, if you're here and saved today, you're working with them. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're a, you're, a, you're a fourth part of the Godhead, but, but the Bible says you all become one. Jesus said all of us become one in him. He prayed that. He prayed that prayer. In the 17th chapter book of John, he prayed the prayer. All of us are one in him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and me. Or God the Son, God the, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and you. We're all one. What does that make us? That makes all of us in here one. Why, why, why do people, when we say there's only one body, when the Bible says there's only one body, why do some people say there's more than one body? 
There's only one body because all of us are one. That's how God, that's how God made, set it up, made it. That's how he, that's how he planned it, purposed it, that we'll all be one. So we're, 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 we're one church. Landmark Baptist Church, and I'm not going to get into church truth today because I have a habit of doing that sometimes because I love church truth. But I'm not going to get into church truth today, but I'm going to say this, that I want to tell you there's only one kind of a church. There's only one church right here at Landmark Baptist Church. We're, we're a complete body of Christ. So when you, when you add that, when you add the oneness to that, now, this, this may be getting a little deeper than you want to go. We add the oneness to this. You, got, you, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Landmark Baptist Church, all one. That's hard to fathom. That's hard to comprehend. We're one complete body. Whether we have three people, or whether we have 40 people, whether we have 50 people, or whether we have 500 people, we're all one. We're one body. You can't have a body like the Corinthian church. Paul, Paul uh, rebuked the Corinthian church many times. He rebuked them over the Lord's Supper that we're going to serve in just a little while. He rebuked the church. He rebuked the church many times. Why? Because the church wanted to split themselves up. They wanted to split themselves up into different, I guess you could say, divisions. That's what Paul said. Paul said if there's, if there's sin among the members, there's got to be division. The Corinthian church was a big church. Some say they had as many as four or five hundred members. But it was a church that was broken up into four parts. Some of them were, were, were for Jesus. Some of them were for Paul. Some of them were for Paulus. Some of them were for Peter. So there's four, there was four divisions in the church. And, and when they did anything, when they got ready to serve the Lord's Supper, they divided up into their groups. Bible says some of them brought their food and some of them had their food and others didn't have anything. <clears throat> some of them brought wine, enough wine to have the Lord's Supper and some of them brought enough wine to get drunk on. Read it. 1 Corinthians 11th chapter. Some of them did. They broke, they broke themselves up. That's why... That's why I've, praise God, he's always given me this thing of keeping the church together. Keeping the church together and watching after the church and making sure that the church is all one in him. Church is one in him. God is light himself. He's all purity, all holiness, all truth, and all goodness. And in him is no darkness at all, no sin, no erring, no ignorance, 
Nothing that is evil comes from him. He is neither the author of sin, nor does he persuade it. He does not tempt men with sin. Why? Because of God's goodness. That was James, I believe it was James who said, God tempts no man. But people blind people, people think that God tempts them. Some people get tried, trying and tempting mixed up. If God tries your faith, he's not tempting you. He's trying your faith. It was John the Apostle who said that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1 and verse 5. God is infinitely good. God is infinitely good. God has all understanding. He has all wisdom. Now you think about our little finite minds we have. And think about the infinity of God. How he is infinite about every in everything. God has all understanding. All wisdom, all knowledge, and all other perfections of his are infinite. Go back to something I spoke about earlier. I want to go back to it just a minute. It's time separating this paper. Go back to it. <clears throat> Where we said, uh, let's see, over here, here it is. <clears throat> His goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. His love. Talk about infinity. God loved us before the foundation of the world. And you'll say, well, he saved me and he loves me more. No, he doesn't. God doesn't love you any more than he did before the foundation of the world. You say, well, I've been faithful to God. I've been so faithful to God most of my life, and God, God loves me a whole lot. No, he doesn't. He loves you the same as he loves you before the foundation of the world. We talk about God's grace. There's people who, who talk about God's grace as being greater for some than it is others. No, it's not. God had grace when he, for the foundation of the world when he chose us, and he hasn't changed that grace at all. That grace is the same as it's always been. And when you get on your deathbed, death rattles in your throat, and the death dews on your brow, then God's grace is going to be there. The same grace that without any eternity is going to be there to comfort you. Uh, yeah. Sure is. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing to think about. It makes me, it makes me, not com, not in, not complain about any more my age. Because God's taken me right on where He wants me. God's mercy. 
God's mercy, God's mercy. I mean, God had mercy on us when he chose us in Christ for the foundation of the world. He, he, no, he doesn't have any more mercy on us now. Because God did have mercy on us, it's the reason he has mercy on us now. God's mercy is wonderful. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. I know some of you would think that you'd say, well, according to the way I live my life, sometimes God ought to take me right on to hell. No, God's long-suffering. God will let you go out on your sprees. He'll permit you to go out on your sprees. But this way he brings you back is what hurts. We don't, we don't realize sometimes what God uses to keep us in, in, uh, in, in bay with him. This, this pandemic we got right now, let me tell you folks, when you get it, you'll draw closer to the Lord. When one of your loved ones gets it, you'll draw closer to the Lord. Billy Ray, how's Mr. Cooper? I forgot to ask. Doing better. Well, that's good. God's long-suffering. All of these are just the way God was before the world ever began. When, the reason I'm saying that is, is God was good before the world ever began. And he's still good today. God doesn't change. God's goodness is so great that none has ever explained just how great is his goodness. Man's mind is finite and can never understand God. We can never understand God. We may think we can. We may think we know a lot about God, but what do we know about God? Our little old finite minds, you know, I always picture it like this. God's brain is as big as this building, and my mind is about that big when it comes to trying to understand God. We're finite in our understanding. Man cannot understand the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of God's goodness. We just look, we just look around us, you know, we look at one another, and we'll say, well, you know, God is good. God's good. God's been good to you. How many times have I said that since Rhonda and I were sick? How many times have I said that God is good to us? And God's goodness, when God deals with us, God's goodness should bring us closer to him. But I don't know. I don't know if that's happening now or not. You know, we got a lot of people sick. Uh, I think Carmen was telling me about some church uh, up there in Dublin that uh, had a bunch of members that came down with it. And they had to close their, their doors. Let me tell you, folks, that'll change people. That'll change them. That'll, that'll bring them. That ought to bring them. If, if you ever, if you ever want to be brought, be brought down humbly, you let God deal with you. God will humble you. He'll humble you down. 
He really will. He'll humble you down. You may think I'm almighty, but God will humble you down. What is the depth? The depth, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of God's goodness. God's goodness knows no bounds or limits. It was the great Apostle Paul who said, Of who hath first given unto him, it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom the glory forever. You got the glory in God. That's all I'm doing today, folks. I'm just glorying in God and his goodness. I didn't I didn't really when I started studying for this message, I didn't really see God as the way I preached him today. I saw God differently in some stages. But now I see God exactly the way I believe he is. His goodness. His goodness. That's a, that's a big word, goodness. You go through the Bible, you'll find that word hundreds of times throughout the word of God. His goodness. God is good. God is good to his children. God is good to every one of us. I like that song that uh, Grace Baptist Church in Gladwin, Michigan, sings at the end of their service, every service. I don't know. I don't know all the words to it, but it says, "I got a roof over my head. I got shoes, shoes on my feet. I got, I got, a, I got food to eat." In other words, what else do I want? What else do I need? Oh, but Brother Paul, I need a new dress. You don't need a new dress. I need a new this. I've lost some weight. And Rhonda said, you need to buy you some new clothes. I said, no, I'm going to wear them until they fall off of them. And I, I, I know this is funny, but believe it or not, when nurse was ready to give me a shot when I went to the doctor, she said, uh, just let me just enough of you help. And I took my pants and my pants fell off of me. <laughs> yeah, they did. I told her, I, she said, well, I've seen a lot of butts, but I said, you haven't seen one like this one. <laughs> but anyway, Rhonda said, you need to buy you some more clothes. Your clothes too big on you. I said, no. I said, I'm going to wear them until they fall off of me. Well, they have. But I'm still not going to buy any new ones. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you, Lord, for being here today. Thank you, Lord, for sending these folks out. Thank you, Lord, for putting these people on live streaming. Thank you, Lord, for everything. All right, let's serve the Lord's Supper.